Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Now let's face it, everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. Delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Another big show coming your way. We've had the international TCR drivers over here in Australia and Rob Huff will join us to have a chat about his win in race three on the weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park and also the TCR series heading up to Bathurst this weekend as well. Mark Walker, Richard Crow to wrap up what's been a big weekend in sport in NASCAR F1 and other things as well. Our Caltex, Hots and Knots, all that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. And as I always do at the top of the program, welcome Richard Crowell from theracetalk.com to the program. Hello, Crowley. Hello, Tony. Big couple of weeks in sport. And yeah, big couple of weeks in uh, New South Wales sport. Yeah, not wrong. Not wrong. It's a place to be if you love motorsport. And if you love motorsport, Shebex. Last weekend was a cracker. Friday night and Saturday, under lights at Sydney Motorsport Park. It's always delivered, hasn't it, that place when the lights go out and the supercars have been spectacular there. But turns out, what a place for TCR cars. And we'll talk a bit more about that later on. But um, three incredible races as the, the World Tour came to town and the local guys duking out for a championship as well. Put on a great show and hopefully replicate that when we get up to the big hill uh, in a couple of days' time. Now, Will Brown took the first couple for the Aussies, but then it was uh, our next guest to wave the flag for the uh, internationals. Yeah, it was, and and it was spicy all the way throughout the field. But race three, this guy uh, showed them a clean pair of heels. Uh, former winner of the World Touring Car Championship and a gun in touring car racing. Goes pretty well at Macau, and we'll talk about that in a minute because that's their next stop. But delighted to say that Rob Huff has joined us on the show. Huffy, welcome to the program. Thanks for jumping on board. and. How's your, uh, how's your return visit to Australia been, mate? Evening, guys. Well, first of all, thanks very much for having us on. Um, I mean, secondly, I have to thank you also for organising such great racing for us the other <laughs> night. You know, Sydney Motorsport Park, what an event. Um, yeah, I think probably most of uh, the the, uh, the invitation drivers are from the World Tour, most of us probably had never even really heard of, of Sydney Motorsport Park, but uh, what, a, what a show she put on for us the other night. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, great to be back in Australia. Great welcome from you guys. Obviously, met yourself, Richard, the very first time I ever came to Bathurst and, mm. uh, and did the 12 hour. So great to see some familiar faces. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what an experience it's been so far. But uh, yeah, that third race on uh, on Sunday was definitely one I wasn't going to let go of easy. Buffy, what were you expecting from the Aussie blokes uh, in their quest to make sure that they took a clean sweep of the weekend? They were... They were pretty good on their home track. Very much so. And and I have to say, stronger than we've 
sort of been up against so far this year, let's say. Um, the Aussies really brought it to us. And uh, and obviously, Will Brown, uh, what a talent he is. And uh, definitely, um, you know, got the most out of his car uh, over the weekend. I think the weather played, a, you know, a big part as well. There's no doubt in the practice sessions, uh, the Lincoln Co's were showing seriously fast pace. Um, and then obviously it rained for qualifying and, and that, you know, completely threw a spanner in the works for everyone. But we just kept cool, we kept calm and uh, and made the most of it. But, you know, for sure this year, you know, we've done TCR uh, Europe, so visiting those guys. And again, most of those guys, you know, we know pretty well because they've dipped in and out of the, the World Series over the years. Uh, a lot of familiar faces, certainly to myself. Um, TCR South America, of course, we always expect the, the South Americans to... To have some very uh, fast drivers, which they did, um, but not as many as we 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 stumbled across here. I think I think Sydney Motorsport Park track is definitely uh, an experienced pays track, should we say? Mm. Um, you know that that turn one is seriously fast, and it, mm. and it I'm not even sure I ever got the most out of my car through there. Um, whereas I think Brownie definitely was uh, was flying through there every lap. Um, and for me, I think it was really the the third race where everything clicked for me. Um, I just felt super confident with the car. I, I don't know whether just because the temperature's got a little bit lower and so on, but you know, ultimately seeing Ben Bargwana on pole position that was that was quite special for all of us, I think, because obviously he'd come and done the world tour in Europe earlier on. I mean, you know, what 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 a effort to to get his car and and his family and his mechanics out to to Spa, and I think he did one other with us as well. Um, you know, so I, I was pleased to see him on pole and, and you know, to get get his dad's reaction straight away. I mean, stuff like that for me is just priceless. Did, firstly, the the night racing, what what did you make of that? And, and how much experience have you had running under lights in these kind of cars? Yeah, I mean, quite a lot. We for, for three or four years, we finished our championship in Qatar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very much obviously run under 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 the lights at night. I think if anything, you know, I I drove the track a couple of uh times on was it wednesday or thursday last week i'll come to uh, that had a, had a had a bit of fun as you well know um and i actually found it easier in the dark mm. i think because there's there's so much going on in the background it's such a big place um and it was really difficult to get sort of solid references uh as a driver and i definitely felt when i went back in the evening to do my evening session pre-race weekend that it just seemed to click a bit easier for me you know, it's a tough track. It really is a tough track. Like I said, that that turn one, you you just got to have, you know, I probably can't say it on your podcast, but you just got to have very big things between your legs to, <laughs> okay. um, to, 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 you know, muster through that corner. And every time you come down, you know, it's, it's a downhill run from a third gear corner. It's a downhill run all the way. And you kind of feel that you should be breaking it down one gear because, again, it tightens up on the exit there and it just... It, it, it's a very um, uh, confidence-destroying corner, should we say, because it tightens up, it tightens up, then you have massive load on the front right on the exit, and if you're just on the curve, the curves really whip these TCR cars from the from the back end. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's a lot to take in, in 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 two days. Tell me about your sneaky little practice laps earlier in the weekend, because <laughs> what I did not expect to see was being when we rolled into town, we're seeing being sent photos of you aboard a V8 super ute that was not yeah. in the playbook. So just, just tell us a little about that little sneaky uh, orientation. Well, obviously when I came here many, many years ago and, and met your good self, um, met a few other people as well. Uh, one of them was James Stewart from driving solutions. Hmm. Uh, he was involved with my GT three car that I was running in uh, for the two years that we ran it. Um, and, I, and to be honest with you, I didn't even know that James was uh, based at Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, I mean, he even messaged me. Obviously, I put on Instagram that, you know, I'm on my, on my way to Sydney Motorsport Park for the first event, blah, blah, blah. And he sent me a WhatsApp straight away saying, yeah, I'm at Eastern Creek. And I'm like, okay, and what relevance does that have to where I'm going? And he's like, no, bro, like Sydney Motorsport Park is Eastern <laughs> Creek. And I was like, oh, okay, good. Glad we got that sorted. Um, and, and, and immediately, you know, he, he, he knows, James knows exactly what we need as drivers, what, what, what would help us as drivers. Um, and he sent me a picture of the AC of Borgie's AC Delco, um, the super ute and was like, 
do you fancy having a go in this? And I was like, <laughs> of course. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so um, Luke, who runs the series, uh, had a good chat with him. And then obviously Borgie himself. Um, huge thanks to those guys because not only was it a great help for me before I obviously started the weekend, just to get the opportunity to have a have a rip round in a in a V eight Ute, which is stuff that I grew up watching on TV at home, uh, was something very special. Did you like That's the thing different. to drive? It was mega. It was not what I expected it to be. You know, it was it was it was brilliant on the power. It had very little grip once you arrived at the grip level. You know, the the maximum grip level. It wasn't very high, so she moves around a lot, especially on power. Mm. The braking was probably better than I thought, but the things just don't roll. You know, there's very little body roll in it. It doesn't feel like you're, you know, in the sort of, as we would call it, SUV world. Um, it's just great fun. Just an absolute smile a minute, right up my street. You know, I love my old E-type, E-type cars from Goodwood, the historic cars. And it's really like quite similar to them in the sense that they're just massively overpowered, undergripped and underbraked. Um, but it makes for great racing, and uh, and it definitely puts a massive smile on a driver's face. They've definitely been a revelation in Australian racing in the last year or two. In the past, there's been a lot of issues, drivers running into each other and all that sort of stuff. But I think the professionalism of that category in the last couple of years has been fantastic. So glad you got a chance to, to share a part of that. Uh, at what point in race three did you know you were going to get the chequered flag? Because it looked like it was a pretty tough run all the way through. I mean, I don't probably have to tell you guys that you, you're never quite sure of when you're going to you know, yeah. see that checker flag first. But I was pretty confident that if I could keep Will behind me for the first three laps, then uh, then we'd, you know, we'd been having a, a, a pretty good crack at it. And barring anything going wrong uh, or safety cars or whatever, or a problem with the car, that, that we'd be able to arrive there first. But, you know, honestly, at the beginning of the weekend, we just, you know, we, we were probably slightly out of position in qualifying because of those damp conditions. We just got a lap in early, which put us, you know, right in the mix, which was great. Um, got a great start in race one. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, right up there at the, at, at the, at the you know, sharp end. Um, Will was gone like a, a, a scolded cat, so there was no chance of, of, of catching him. And then it's just a case of chipping away at your driving and the setup on the car just to to try and get it, you know, it, it all together. But, you know, we start with a night race, then we go to a day race, then we go back to a night race, and the different track temps and everything, they really do affect these cars quite substantially. So a lot of it's, you know, experience, a lot of it's guesswork. But, yeah, I, I was pretty confident done a little bit of research seeing that he wasn't great off the line um with, with the tcr car so i was pretty confident i'd get him off the line and then yeah then obviously i got a, a, a decent start got that sort of second that i needed going into into turn you know two three and i knew that would be enough to hold him off for the first few laps and then then it just kind of yeah you know, I, I think there's also a big thing about these cars was at high speed circuits like Sydney Motorsport Park, following too closely, it just kills the front tyres. Yep. And it was interesting. I spoke to Will straight away after that third race, and uh, he was really quite surprised how much tyre deck he got behind me. Um, so, so yeah, but was I ultimately very, very happy that we managed to get one back on the Aussies? Yeah, for sure. And good for your championship prospects as well in the in the World Tour. Um, tell me about a Fred Vavish, who we know here as well. He's like you, a couple of starts at the Bathurst 12 hour and was very, very speedy in an Audi GT3 car there, like you were. Um, but tell me about Audi sport team come to you as well, because we haven't seen much of them, if anything, in this part of the world. Just tell us a bit about the team and, and your relationship with them. Yeah, of course. Um, so Audi sport come to you, uh, Belgium based team, Belgium owned team, um, Two guys very experienced uh, within motorsport world, within especially the GT3 world, um, and decided that they wanted to to do a bit of touring car racing as well. And I think they started with TCRs in, I think it was sort of middle of the season, 2017. They came with the Gen 1 Audi. They were one of the first teams to to receive that car um, with Fred Vervish and uh, another driver, Stefano Camini, who I mm. think was the 2016 champion. Uh, of TCR International so yeah I mean huge pedigree of racing behind those guys they know exactly what they're doing as we've seen we're running I think 
either six or eight cars in total in TCR this year. Um, they just absolutely smashed the TCR Europe Championship with Tom Coronel, um, with Kobe Powell's and with uh, Jean Felipe. So they've they, they top three in the championship, which was amazing. Uh, Fred Vervis, what can I say? What mm. an absolute superstar. Probably, yeah. probably the best teammate I've ever had. Um, you know, we just seem to have a, a mutual understanding. We've, we've both done a lot of racing. Um, you know, we, we are not a fully funded works team um, like the BRC Citroën uh, or, or the Lincoln Co guys. Um, but to get two drivers like myself and Fred together um, and for us just to click as well as we have straight from the beginning, um, very clear understanding that we need to do the best for ourselves, but also the best for the team. Number one rule, don't drive into each other. Don't take each other out. We've avoided each other all year, which believe it or not in TCR racing is, is something we need to be very proud of. Um, and more than that, obviously in the last few events now, he's been um, my very much my rear gunner and uh, I have to take my hat off to him because he's done a, a hell of a job. I mean, well, he qualified 19th because he got caught out yeah. by the rain. And I think within four corners, he was uh, on, you know, defending my backside in P5. So, uh, yeah, Fred, I can't praise enough. That's big praise because memory serves when you won the world championship in 2012, I think your teammates were Ivan Muller, Alan Menu, Ricard Rydell, I think was in there as well at some point. So that's yep, pretty, pretty, so. and, pretty elite company. And, and zero help from them when I won a world championship. <laughs> Funny about that. <laughs> mainly, <laughs> mainly because obviously, you know, going back to the Chevy days, we definitely had the fastest cars. Uh, and, and, you know, these are stories that Fred and I talk about quite a lot, you know, if, come away from a weekend like I've just had here in Sydney Motorsport Park with a, a first, a second and a fourth. If that was the Chevrolet days, we'd be upset with that. Yeah. That's not good enough because you know that that then means that your two teammates finished first, second and third or whatever in the other round. So, um, yeah, I mean, how times have changed, thank God. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, they were they were they were tough days, but you know, when it comes to having a relationship with a teammate with other drivers. Um, you know, it, it's 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 tough. It's really tough. And I've been there, obviously, within Chevrolet, where we were supporting one driver after a certain amount of races. To be as good a driver as Fred is with the caliber he's got, with what he's capable of doing in GT3s and in TCR cars, to to sort of you know swallow that pill and 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 truly be a rear gunner for me uh, yeah. is is something uh, I think he should be very very proud of because that is not easy. Wow. How much are you looking forward to heading back to the mountain this weekend? Uh, I mean, you know, try and stop us. Ultimately, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, I think I'm not the only one. We're all chomping at the bit to get up there. You know, it's, uh, I, and again, I was speaking to, to Ben Barguana um, when we did the boating the other day. Uh, and he literally said, if I have to stop driving tomorrow, I can do it almost happily on the basis that I've been to Spa Frankershot and I've raced with you guys around Spa. And that's kind of how we feel about Bathurst. You know, it's one of the most notorious tracks in the world. Um, the 12 hour over the years from when I did it to now has just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's a, just, it's a race and a race track that we all want to do. The Bathurst 1000, obviously in the supercars, we get that live on the TV back home as well. Um, and it, it's just one of the, the most iconic tracks in the world that, that gets, you know, makes your hairs on your arms stand up when you talk about it. Huffy, you've, you've won in World Touring Car Championship. You've won BTCC races at a high level. Obviously, you own pretty well in TCR racing. Why haven't we seen you in a supercar at some point? What's what's the go there and how do we make that work for you? Oh, dude. I mean, we need to speak to some more people. But we tried to make it happen back when back in the day. I think you, you probably know, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll revisit it for sure. Ultimately... Um, you know, the, the way we tried to get our name over here was to come and do the 12-hour the race. We did it for two mm. years running. We've made some great contacts. Um, uh, uh, and it was all good. And we had some great opportunities to come and do the endurance races, which was a great way, again, for me to, to, to you know, get my name out here. Um, but all of the teams that we obviously spoke to, they, they, they wanted the drivers to do all three endurance races. And one of them always clashed with the, the WTCC. Mm. Um you know, and and that that is a bit of a uh, you know an ongoing uh, problem, I guess. A nice problem to have to be wanted, obviously, as a driver, but it is, has been an ongoing problem for 
20 plus years of doing a, a, a world championship, I've been asked to, you know, Le Mans two or three times. And, and again, both times the practice, there, there's, you have the practice week, obviously sort of three mm-hmm. weeks before, and you have to be there on a Sunday and it's always clashed with the WTCC race. So uh, kind of frustrating because, V8 supercars is something I've dreamt of since I was a kid. And, you know, back in the early days when I met you, um, uh, early days, it wasn't that long ago, but it was long ago. Um, (laughs) You know, I would have, I I would have moved over to Woz to to, to have a crack at it. So, you know, that's how keen I was to come and do uh, V8 supercars. Mm, Amazing stuff. So you're keen on Bathurst. I would be keen on Macau. (laughs) <laughs> I reckon Macau looks like it's just one of the craziest tracks in the entire world. Uh, it's one of the craziest places in the entire world. So I'm assuming the track reflects that. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite fond of Macau myself, to be fair. Um, uh, I've got quite a quite a history um, in Macau. I think we're on uh, 11 wins, um, most winning driver ever in the history of Macau. Uh, even to the point where they've done a little bit of a, a museum piece for me, which is something I'm very really? proud of, which my, my family will get to see this year for the first time. Cool. Um, yeah, they've done a collaboration, and it's the first time uh, a collaboration has been done like this outside of the main museum. Uh, the very famous Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, um, Macau Museum, uh, very uh, luckily... Uh, not sure how they managed to do it, but they're the first people in the world to be able to get Madame Tussauds to uh, commission pieces for them. And wow. uh, so, I mean, quite good company within the uh, the museum. I believe there's uh, there's eight wax pieces. Um, myself, uh, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Ayrton Senna, uh, of course, Eduardo Motara, who's mm. on, I think, eight or nine wins. Mm. Um, and then the two guys who won uh, the, the bikes there. So they've got um, Michael Rutter, of course. And then the guy who won the first ever Macau GP on bike and in car. So, uh, yeah, I'm holding pretty cool company there. That's incredible, mate. That That's phenomenal. And yeah, 11 wins, but not just in one type of car. That was across several generations of cars, and still yeah. going in TCR today, so completely adaptable. Um, just just on the world tour, we, we should talk about that because it, it was fascinating to see it launch at the start of the year, and I think the the consensus was that it was a pretty last minute thing to get it up and running, but yeah. it's built and it's grown, and the competition's been great. And I think what we've seen here is perhaps without pumping our own tires up too much, perhaps an example of what it can really be down the road a little bit do, do you see that and 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 just as an aside to that i was so super impressed with the way your team and brc and the cyan racing formula one team that run lincoln co's um <laughs> how they all operate it, it's so very cool and it raises the bar for what we do here but uh, the, the product is outstanding and it's got the potential to be even better if we take the nine superstars we've got here this weekend and add another nine of them i mean it seems like it's a pretty good concept you're going to miss us when we've gone next week, aren't you? I can yeah, tell. Yeah, I am. Um, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> you're getting all emotional. Um, I mean, yeah, what, what Marcello Lotti's managed to do with the, the whole concept of TCR is quite frankly outstanding. I mean, mm. um, yeah, I, I remember at the beginning of the season, uh, there was the nine drivers you're talking about that are present and correct in Australia at the moment. Effectively, we, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have jobs for this year because, um, TCR Europe, let's say, isn't uh, big enough for where the manufacturers want to go. And, um, you know, Lossie very quickly realised that he needed a, a, a pinnacle championship. Um, and literally, I don't know if he like drew it on the back of his cigarette packet or, or what he managed to do, but he, he just got this concept, the idea. Um, and I think it's brilliant. I think it's something we've been screaming out for in touring cars for so many years, you know. Almost every uh, you know nation has its own touring car championship. Touring cars is so huge all across the world in so many different countries, but you've never been able to take my British touring cars and go and race it in in Sweden or in yeah. in Europe or or in Australia or in Macau. So I think to be able to and it's something we've spoken about so many times over the years that it is frustrating that you know to buy one of these touring cars as a privateer or to race one for a manufacturer, that you are just sort of firmly locked into that one championship, mainly because of the spec and the the, the regulations of that championship. So to have 
now this worldwide you know tcr spec car and to, to throw on top of it this the tcr world ranking and then to throw on top for that the tcr world tour you know for, for us it's just mega you know with the fact that i just you know it, i've been lucky enough that i've been here for 20 years and i've as you say richard I've, I've been through what five different generations of touring cars yeah yeah um and to finally you know be able to be in one that i can effectively pick up and throw in any tcr championship anywhere around the world it's it's just the best idea ever you know and, and not just because of the freedom that you then have by having a tcr car more so because i just i love the idea of you know, I, I hate racing against the same people all the time. Yeah. You know, to, to have that extra spice of not only a new track, but new drivers that you don't know, that you've heard the names of, but you've never raced against. You don't know if you can go side by side with them. You know, you don't know if they're going to be the person to have that lunch, that late lunch. You don't know if they're going to be clever. That extra excitement of not knowing those drivers, I just think it's brilliant. Yeah. Well said, yeah. mate. Well, fantastic. Great series, mate. And thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. It's been great having you uh, on. Great to see you win a race last weekend. Let's hope you can replicate that at uh, Mount Panorama this weekend coming up. We wish you all the best, buddy, for the uh, remainder of the season, especially in regards to the title. And uh, look forward to catching up with you again another time. Brilliant, guys. Thank you very much. Been an absolute pleasure. Thanks ever so much. Rob Huff joining us here on The Grid. We'll be back to more On The Grid in just a second. Now, let's face it. Everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover? In case you say something silly on a podcast, City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me, and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game, and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. And now, back to the podcast. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. As he does always for the second part of the program, Mark Walker joins us. Hello, Mark. Tony Shebecki, Richard Crail. So, Richard, if they repeat what happened at Sydney Motorsport Park, who are we going to launch off McPhillamy Park or Skyline? Or Yeah, it's entirely likely. Hey, how cool's Rob Huff? And, and no, that, he was very good. Is that, by the way, the first world champion, official FIA world champion that we had on the program? I think it might be. I can't remember talking to Lewis There's not very many of them. No, Formula One world champion, touring car world champion, sports car world champion, on oh, world rally champion, and that was about it. Um, he doesn't say, and, and, and with all respect to him, he doesn't seem like one. He just seems like just a, a pommy bloke who just loves life. He's a ripper guy. And, yeah. And he's and, and I'm going to burn one of my hots right off the top of this before we break down the weekend. Why not? Why should we change because, from the last few weeks? Well, no, exactly right. And and let's be honest, this show eventually will just stop becoming us talking about stuff and just go straight into hots and knots, which is not. fine. Um, Which is fine. I've been so unbelievably impressed with this group of internationals that have come yeah. here. And they would have... Not every right isn't the right word or phrase to use, but but there would be every expectation that some of these guys could come here and be snotty international race car drivers. I mean, two of them have won FIA World Championships. Like they are, in their day, the best touring car driver in the world as judged by the governing body of world motorsport, right? So they have all achieved such high, high things, but to a T, they have been unbelievable. They have been friendly. They have been incredibly willing to do anything we want to, wanted them to do from a PR point of view. Um, they've been engaging in interviews. They've been funny. Um, nothing has been too hard. And and they 
present a group of drivers and, and they don't all get along. Um, and there's some, there is some rivalries in there, which is fantastic, but they present a group of drivers that are thoroughly enjoying what they're doing and they happen to be getting paid for it as well. And I've just, mm. I've just been so super impressed by the way that they've, they've come into TCR Australia. And it's like, seriously, it's like Rob Huff's been racing with Josh Buck and Bailey Sweeney and Jordan Cox all year. And, and it's, which is fantastic. It's so good. So they're, they're such a ripper dude. Ted Bjork, by the way, what a lad. Scandinavian race car drivers are cool, but he is so good. Cool as a cucumber, that Scandinavian wit, he's great. Um, Nestora Jorami, who's been here before, so he's he's a guy that we know. Um, he's fantastic. Yeah, just, yeah, really, really impressive. And the teams as well are um, everything you expect when high-quality European race teams come to this part of the world. And, um, man, watching Cyan racing at work with the four Lincoln Co's um, in practice on Friday at Sydney Motorsport Park was pretty spectacular. I mean, it was Formula One level stuff going on there. So it's, it was very cool. So assisting with the media for that event, how big was the cheer from Richard Crail when the whole field speared off at turn three? <laughs> well, <laughs> the fact it's done about 450,000 views on digital media since then was pretty good. So do you know the funniest thing I saw about that was someone dubbed the um, – the Mark Scaife, Matty White commentary from Homebush 2010. Yes. Oh, okay. He's in the fence. They're both in the fence. They're all in the fence. Someone fence. dubbed that yeah. over it. And with all the love in the world to our commentary team, it just, it made it even better. Yeah, it was a big moment. But gee, she was, um, she was willing racing, boys. Those guys play for keeps. But I also get the impression they did not expect our boys to be quite as mm. racy as they were. And well, especially um, Will Brown. Well, Will Brown, but like Alberto was in the mix in a brand new car. Josh Buchan and Bailey Sweeney were there. I thought Aaron Cameron, even though it all sort of unraveled for him a little bit, I thought Aaron Cameron was magnificent. Like that was perhaps a career weekend for Aaron Cameron, even if the results didn't deliver. But like those Peugeots are V-maxed. There is no more room to make those cars go quicker. They're quite old. Um, they have tapped those things out and he ragged that. Um and I'll burn, but I'll burn another hot right now. The moment of the weekend was qualifying and Ben Bargain getting pole. And and that will remain with me as possibly one of it's gonna take something pretty special at Adelaide to top that as my racing moment of the year in Australia, because that was oh. Bathurst to come in. Well, I know. I mean, this weekend could top that. <laughs> you never know. But it that was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to witness. And I know it unraveled after that, but honestly who cares? And, and Ben, I spoke to Ben on Monday at a media event in the city and um, he was like, yeah, sure. It all, it all turned to SHIT afterwards, but man, I'll remember that pole position and out qualifying two world champions forever. So yeah, really special. Something I don't think the universe dwelled on enough was Norbert Mikulitz, uh where he turned right onto the pitch straight. And it's like, okay, that was pretty loose. And then he came into turn one and there was not a hint of left hand down in that whole yep. turn one sequence. And then it sort of cut to something else and the universe let that slide by. But that was uh, ridiculous. The last time a front wheel drive car was that sideways in Australia, Simon Evans won the F2 Australian Rally Championship. Yeah. And anyone who's seen Simon Evans at play knows how sideways he could make a front wheel drive I've car. I've been next to Simon Evans on the lap of... Uh... The Bortley Wines up at uh, Victoria, country Mildly Victoria. terrifying. Yeah. yeah, it was those things on slicks in the wet. That was pretty cool sport. It was properly sporty. So literally went sideways into pit lane, effectively. No, he went God. sideways through turn one, mate. Oh. On slicks oh, when it was too. raining. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, mate, the whole way through. Oh, Lord. The car control of these guys. And like Mikulis has been running at a very similar level to Rob Huff for as long as Rob Huff has. So he is a hugely experienced touring car driver. He, yeah. he would, he's, it's, I don't know who you'd compare him to in Australia, but I, yeah, I would, I'd compare him to like a Mark Winterbottom who's just mm. been there and done the lot of it. Um, and he's, he's a super talent, lovely guy too. And clearly very, very capable race car driver, but yeah, it was pretty spectacular, pretty spectacular. So what can we expect this weekend? Oh yeah. Good question. Pretty much anything I would have thought. And a lot, lot deeper support program this weekend too. Yeah, yeah, better better program. Um, and I think there's learnings to take out of race Sydney as an event for next year. Um, but but 
the things that worked were the two day, the two day thing worked a treat. Perfect. Friday night, Saturday night, genius. Um, probably ambitious to expect people would rock up on Friday night in Sydney when they're looking out their car window parked on the M4 wistfully at the mm. lights of Sydney Motorsport Park, but unable to get there. Um, but I, I think the two-day format thing worked brilliantly and it was 100% proof that that's what supercars should do for the super night next year, which the word on the street is what they'll do. Um, so that was a big tick. The Europeans loved the different format because they normally only run two races, different qualifying and all of that. So they really enjoyed having a third race. I thought that worked really well. Um, yeah, probably could have dealt with some more supports, but we, we will get saved the supports until the hots later on. And I think we all know where we're going with this. I think we all know where yeah. we're going with this. Um, but um, yeah, I was just so proud of the way that our guys stepped up. Um, and yeah, you know, like we said, yeah, these are crack race teams. Like Cyan Racing in their shipping container have a shock dyno. <laughs> oh, what? So they can take their shocks off the car, run them out the back of the garage, pop in the container, dyno them and put them back on the car. Like this is serious motorsport. Yeah. Um, and they are a big budget team. They run four cars with four fully professional paid racing car drivers, um, one of whom's a world champion. And the way they operate was awesome. Um and they had some bad luck, but for a lot of it, our blokes pulled their pants down a little bit, which was so good. So, mm. um, and, and I think the highlight for me was not necessarily Will Brown winning. I, I fully expected Will Brown to be at the front because we all know how good Will Brown is, right? But I think for me, what was so cool was that last race and you had the three guys out front with the margin, but then you had a freight train of about 10 cars and there were five of our guys and five of theirs and they were trading paint and they were bashing into each other and they were having just the most almighty scrap for sixth place. And you couldn't tell who was a world touring driver or an Australian driver. It was just, they were all just touring car drivers having a scrap. And I thought that was great and, and probably better for us than it is for the world tour guys. Cause it shows how good the level of competition in Australia is. Yep. So that for good me was stuff. great. Didn't answer well, your question at all, Shebex, but no, um, no, no, it sort of gave me an indication as to how you felt. Well, but no, I generally, I got so much out of that weekend. And the other thing, this weekend will take a different tone because A, the Australian Championship's up for grabs. So all of a sudden you've got a championship battle and the two Hyundai guys are the most likely to be dueling it out and they're the first and second. So Sweeney versus Bucken. So there's an overriding storyline around that. And then it's the penultimate three races, penultimate round um, of the World Tour. And there's a point between the two top guys in the world tour at the moment with Macau to come. So I think whoever leads the world tour going up to Macau is in a pretty good position because Macau, as Huffy talked about before, is a pretty brutal place and can, um, can claim you just as easily as Mount Panorama can. So there's a lot of underlying storylines around how this weekend plays out. And um, maybe it's an opportunity for someone that's not in the Aussie battle and not in the world tour battle to have a very big weekend. Um, Ironically, Will Brown, not in the Aussie battle. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting. He does know Bathurst quite well. Uh, what I love about that scenario, though, is that you've got the Australian Championship, as you said, up for grabs, and then you've just inserted these blokes in there who don't give a shit about that. <laughs> They're racing for their own stuff as well. So mm. there's no there's no consideration for you know, the blokes who are actually fighting for it, and that's just going to make for great racing. Yeah, then and and that was possibly a concern coming in because the last thing you want is, let's say it's Marching Hua, the Chinese driver. Let's say, and I'm just I'm singling him out because I quite like saying his name. Um, let's say he goes and fences Josh Bucken, so someone who's not even remotely in contention for the Australian title at all, and in fact is not scoring points, feeds mm. the championship leader off the road. Or did that happen, or am I just making this up? Either way. Um, that's bad. Um, but at the same time, it, it could happen that that Lockie Maneef, who's not in championship cattle, could feed Josh Bucken off the road or vice versa. Yeah. So I don't think it makes a huge difference. It just makes the field more competitive. And the World Tour guys, and I'm sorry for singling Lockie out there because he did a super job on the weekend. Um, the World Tour guys aren't scoring points to the Australian Championship. So if you finish third behind two World Tour guys, Third outright, you're getting first place points. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, it doesn't, it keeps the integrity of the Aussie championship, I think, reasonably clean. Um, and you just got to beat more guys. But it's no different to Garth Tander popping up in a Carrera Cup race earlier this year and finishing fourth, um, except he scored points. So he took points away from Jackson Walls that race. So there's, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's just part and parcel of it. You got to, you got to play with the big boys. Uh, but did. already, Will, Will Brown's already thirteenth in the world points, so he's he's done awesome. Well, and and he should, in theory, book himself a ticket, an automatic entry to the world final. So the top fifteen drivers get an automatic entry to the world final, which is at Portimao in March next year. Um, so I knowing I knowing Will, uh, he would have already asked the question of Jamie Wincup, his new boss. Hey, can I uh, after? we do Bathurst. Um, can I pop over to Portimao and have a crack at winning this thing? And then the next conversation would have been Belinda Narby, who's the head of marketing for uh, and sponsorship for Liquid Molly Australia, who funds the TCR car for Melbourne Performance Centre. And Troy Russell would have been in this mix. I guarantee you the chat's already being had. Because if you're Will Brown, why wouldn't you want to go over there and have an 100%. absolute tilt? And who knows? You might go over there and jag yourself a big result in the world final of all of TCR racing. So um, it's pretty cool. No, that would be very, very cool. Uh, one championship was decided this weekend, and it was over in the States in the NASCARs. And that was a quite exciting race, Mark. Yeah, not bad. Uh, over at Phoenix, um, four drivers in it. One came out. Christopher Bell, he was the Toyota rep. Uh, he was the only non-finisher in the whole race. He had a brake failure, the first brake failure of his career. He wound up in the fence. Uh, Ryan Blaney, he was in the box seat uh, until a yellow with about 40 laps to go. Uh Pit stops happened. He restarted sixth behind both the contending cars from Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, from the restart, Blaney just blitzed him past Will Byron, uh, past Kyle Larson, finished second on the road behind the watermelon man, Ross Chastain, to seal the title. So Blaney's championship year. He won the Coke 600 earlier in the year, crown jewel event. Uh, he won Talladega in the playoffs. He uh, season rounded out with finishes the first 12th, 6th, second, first, and second. So there's no real denying that. That was a, a really big championship run that he put together. Deserving champion. He's been in the top 10 of the points in the Cup Series for the past seven years. So it's not a flash in the pan that he's finally nailed together a, a full season. Uh, and it wound up being a, a championship sweep for Ford as well. So uh, they won all three tiers and the second uh, Cup Series crown for Roger Penske after Joey Logano last year. So some big and stats there for Ford. A lot of the focus was on Blaney, and rightly so. He was the championship winner, but Chastain drove a fantastic race, and that was a great win for that team. Shane Van Gisbergen's teammate next year. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that last year, coming into that uh, race, he finished second in the championship last year, and it was coming off that Hail Mallon uh, wall ride at Martinsville. So it was a bit of a different deal this year. But, uh, hey, you know, if he... If he winds up in the final four next year, he's got the score on the board there. He knows that he can win in the season final race at, at Phoenix. And I think that's the big sort of confidence boost that he can take away from that. And, you know, big positive for Trackhouse Racing as well. You know, Van Giz is going over there to race with these guys and they clearly still know how to do it. And uh, the NASCAR World said goodbye to Kevin Harvick? Yeah, that was... Uh, it was an emotional moment at the end. He was competitive mm. right down to the finish. He was leading the race at one stage, came out seventh at the end. Yeah, he's the man who replaced Dale Earnhardt, you know, mm. 23 years in the sport, over 800 races. He was the 2014 champion, twice Xfinity Series champion, uh, 121 wins across all three series. So not a bad body of work. And he's going next year into the Fox booth alongside Mike Joy and Clint Boyer. And will be a great addition to that team, no doubt. Richard, uh, talk to us about Brazil in the F1s. Uh, do I have to? No. Uh, a Grand Prix happened. Max Verstappen yeah. won. There were some dramas. Uh, the events in dramas because people invaded the track. So yeah, wasn't that <laughs> same same drama as um, same drama as Albert Park this year? So, yeah, uh, but, no, but but about twenty times bigger. Yeah. Um, that sounds probably, like an F, F1 problem where they're yeah. making something that's so appealing that everyone wants to join the track. That's yeah. an F1 thing. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, you'd probably give an early nod to um, grandstand providers in Sao Paulo, I would have thought. Oh. Um, yeah. uh, you know, probably not their fault that hurricane spec wings blew across the track and tore a roof off a grandstand while people were sheltering in it. So that's far from ideal. But um, 
that's a thing that happened. It it sure put the Sydney Motorsport Park weather in perspective, didn't it? Yeah, mate, we had light drizzle and it was quite mild. No problems at all. It was it was tremendous. I did actually have the weather on my knots list until I saw that, and then I pulled it right off because what we had was was tremendous. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you, Shebexter. Uh, I've not seen much of the Grand Prix. The, the time zone didn't work for someone working a race meeting that finished at 11 o'clock at night. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, look, I'm aware of the result, and I'm aware that Max Verstappen won and that McLaren continued to do well and that, Nando ended up back on the podium by half a car length, which was a nice yeah. result for uh, Aston Martin after a particularly horrid run of late. So uh, and, well done yeah, for, for them. Fernando on the podium was fantastic. That was just a great finish to that race. Yeah. Oh, look, he's a fighter, isn't he? And and there's, it's pretty important, that little battle between he and Lando Norris in the World Championship and McLaren and Aston Martin for third um, or for fourth in the, um, in the constructors as well. So there's a bit in that. And folks, be honest with yourselves. Put your hand up right now if you weren't sitting in front of that television cheering for Fernando and hoping that Perez actually dropped out of the podium. Because I was. I was yelling at the TV. I I wasn't because I was was asleep. Oh, and fair enough too. Uh, Any supercar news we need to be talking about? No. Oh, the calendar. Yeah, we'll talk about the calendar. Oh, yeah. So they've announced the test days. We haven't got to the knots yet. Who cares? <laughs> Lord Almighty. All right, let's get into our hots and knots. And with thanks to Caltex, it's our hots and knots here on the grid. Richard, you can kick us off as always. Yes, Caltex, they are a tremendous supporter of Australian motorsport and continue to be so and proud sponsors of On the Grid. Um, I've used, I've burned a lot of my hots this week, a lot of them uh, around the TCR stuff. But uh, I'm just going to give a hot to, to TCR because I think this is what. TCR Australia has needed. It's been a troubled birth for the category in Australia. Um, there was questions even when it was introduced was that did it even need to be here? But what I think the weekend did was give it relevancy. I think it, it gave it impact. It gave it meaningfulness um, and seeing highly credentialed world teams and drivers come down and race with our guys and race at the same level and our guys race at the same level. That's a hot for mine. That is outstanding. Um, I'm going to give a standing hot to Sydney Motorsport Park's lighting because, and I use, I'm pretty certain I used this after the supercar round that I still, um, I still have never been to a place, not just a racetrack, a place that transforms so significantly from daytime to nighttime in its mm. atmosphere, its presentation, its vibe, everything. That joint under lights is one of the great places which is so different to what it is during the day. Well, the way so, Rob explained it before too, I thought was fantastic in, in that because everything blacks out outside of the track, it is so much easier to drive the track and set reference yeah. points. But during the day, it's really can, hard because there's so much around it. Helps you forget you're in Western Sydney. So, but uh, it's, um, no, full credit to the track. Tremendous stuff. Um, I, yeah, really, really enjoyable couple of races uh, there. I actually lost my hot list. So this actually isn't going particularly well for me at the moment. Um, what I will give a hot to Shebex is because we haven't previewed it is I will give a hot to provisional hot to some of the grids for this weekend's super cheap auto Bathurst international. So yep. uh, we're heading to the mountain. It's another Bathurst event. There seems to be a lot of them these days, but this one has the makings of something quite good. Uh, TCR will be at 24 cars again. So unfortunately Cody Garland out after his crash at turn one, um, lots of damage to his Peugeot, but in is Michael Clementi in the uh, Cupra Leon, which is excellent. So that's a good addition. Race winning car two times this year. Um, nice guy, fast bloke, and he'll be a, a racy addition, which is great. So 24 cars there. 29 cars for the perennially hot Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge, which celebrates its final round of the season and will claim three champions. Marco Giltrap needs to finish 17th or better in race one to do that uh there are 29 cars in the field though so uh it's not necessarily a sure thing that he seals that in race one on friday evening um and i'm going to give an advance hot to the porsche michelin sprint challenge awards evening because because awards evening was that being held richard uh it's being held believe it or not at bathurst panthers oh there you go yeah which will be tremendous i am sure so looking forward to that great field, uh, really competitive field. Nash Morris back, obviously. Ronan Murphy's there. Marcus Flack after running Career Cup last weekend. Uh, Sprint Challenge field, tremendous. Like it. 
Uh, Trans Am looking very, very strong. There's a title to be won there. Could a Moffat win a championship at Bathurst? Let's hope. Wouldn't that be a good story? A bit of we'd, like, we'd like that. Um, Kumo Series doesn't have a massive field, but they pick up Cameron McLeod, which is a hot because he's a superstar in the making. And also picks up, and I'm very looking forward to seeing this, Ryan Simpson in a second Jim Policina Commodore. So runner-up in the championship in 2014, went on to race Porsches, race Super 2, won the Australian Production Car Championship, really accomplished guy. He will be driving a VE Commodore for Jim alongside Jim Policina, who was fighting for the championship. So that's a hot. Uh, and there are, I think, 46 cars in the production car field, which includes... Uh, I think 11 or 10, uh, we can't call them GT4s, invited cars, uh, which is a pretty stout grid. So um, decent fields. I'm going to give them a uh, hot for entertainment potential. Oh, and I missed uh, Touring Car Masters where there are seven New Zealand cars coming over to run. Uh, and they're always fun because they're, um, they're proper sports sedans and we like sports sedans. So that's a hot. And then I'm also going to give one hot from a racing point of view to the Radical Cup because they wrapped up what's a very competitive championship and 16-year-old Alex Gardner is a star in the making. So watch out for him. But my final hot, and I would be happy to throw this open for discussion, are Hyundai Excels. Yes. What? So I missed that. What was it? Hyundai Excels. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Only good good though when you got more than nine cars on the track. No, like, no, they're great they, at any point. But often when they get on that big stage, like they were on the weekend with the national TV audience, mm. they choke. They they wind mm. up in the fence. There's safety cars. It, it falls apart. But on the weekend, Hot that tip. was peak Hyundai Excel racing that yeah. didn't fall apart. Yeah, correct. Can I can I give you uh, an example of how people gravitated to it? There is in the very early stages of discussion, and I hope they don't mind me saying this, but I'm going to do it anyway, a plan for next year to have the factory Hyundai World TCR drivers race Hyundai Excels when they come back. It has to happen. Yeah, 100%. Totally. They were like, what is this and why is it so awesome? So um, it was it was epic racing and uh, I, I will not lie to you, my friends and dear listener that I stuck my hand up to call those races um, because I just, I had a vibe that it was going to be great. And uh, I was, I was very, very happy that it was. So that's a very, very big hot for mine. Okay, cool. Uh, for, for the second time in three years, Marcus Ambrose protege, Ben Rhodes won the NASCAR truck series. Um, the race itself was a knot. It was truly terrible. Took four overtimes at the finish to get it done. But there's a proud little PR bloke here talking on this podcast right now. I helped him out with his late model campaign back for Marcus uh, back in the day. Um, I certainly didn't assist him with his press conference etiquette for where for the second time in three years, he turned up to the presser absolutely drunk out of his mind. <laughs> and the presser is on YouTube. Go and watch that because it is really really entertaining and an actual hot goes to the xfinity series decider uh which was the polar opposite of the trucks they were three wide uh the three title contenders for the lead coming to the white flag which is absolutely all you could ever dream of there cole custer came through with the win for tony george uh, tony stewart and gene haas so that was a good race and worth a rewatch there um hot also goes to the poorly aged nascar post twitter account which is a thing apparently and um Hot goes to poor Kyle Petty, who isn't really a Ryan Blaney fan with so many of his hot takes on Twitter, subsequently servicing again after the race. So uh, suck on that, Kyle Petty. Yeah, you bowled a wide there. Um, Turns out dressing up like Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift was the thing to do for Halloween 2023 with uh, Denny Hamlin and his Mrs. Jordan Fish giving it a try. Uh, So not only does Denny own a NASCAR team, but um, he also dresses up like a guy who owns an F1 team. So that was interesting. And um, also, you know, following in the footsteps of Marco Andretti last week, Denny once again proved that race car drivers make poor Travis Kelsey's, but smoke show misos make very good Taylor Swift's. So well done on those guys. Um, A story on the V8 sleuth is what? I've always wanted to say smoke show on a podcast. It's outstanding. Um... I'm here for it. Hot. Uh, a story on the Vat Sleuth this week cited that the Newcastle 500 could be re- rebadged as the Wine Country 500 Hot. and moved to the Hunter, Hunter Valley, which Hot. 
Richard, that sounds like an incredible trademark infringement. Isn't Jeez. that any any Friday night down the main drag of the Brosser? Yes, the is. Wine Country 500? No, Richard no, Prale and his cronies? And drink drink responsibly, ladies and gentlemen, of course, as we do at the Wine Country 500. But I would be willing to license it for a small fee uh, if it meant we get to spend a weekend in the Hunter going car racing. What a, what a nice. thing that would be. It's not as pretty as your part of the world, No, I know. But, but very few places are, Mark. So I'd be willing to tolerate that. Uh, SVG won in Aussie racing cars, which um, I'm not quite sure what we expected there when you take a Saturn V rocket to crack a night. So uh, <laughs> well done, SVG, on that. Uh, hot shares and replacement carbon fibre parts. Uh, Romain Grosjean has picked up an IndyCar drive with Junko's Hollinger Racing mm. for next season. Well done. So there'll be a fair bit more kit torn up there. Can't wait. Uh, waking up half an hour after the start of the F1 race, and not missing anything because Alex Elbon knocked down the fence. Mm. So that was uh, a life win there. And finally, country drives. <laughs> you know, when you're driving down the South Gippsland Highway there towards Lang Lang, there's that Shell service station. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. If you, yep. if you turn off left there, you're on a thing called the McDonald's track and you just don't turn. You just keep going along that. It's this perfectly winding, beautiful country road through the farms and over the ridge lines. 15 minutes down the road, you're at Nogora Raceway. Speedway's back. The summer of Speedway's here. It's better Sunday night trackside down there, and it was great. So uh, mm. get along to your local country speedway, because, frankly, there's not many metropolitan speedways getting around these days, so <laughs> no, you may exactly as well support right. the country ones. <laughs> Correct. 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 No, that's, uh, that's, that's a good round of hots. Uh, so I've got, uh, I've got a serious knot, and I've got a – well, it's actually a serious knot. Um, my first serious knot is people – Here's the term fans loosely um, who jump on social media and have a crack at events that a they're not at uh, and b they've clearly made no effort to attend to. But see, they're saying stuff like "oh, it's terrible promotion, pity." I never knew it was on um, when they're commentating or they're commenting on a page at which they follow. Call it a TCR Australia page, perhaps. Which one hundred percent had the and event on it? It's been quite actively promoted on that and a whole mm. raft of other channels for some time. Don't be a dick on social media. Don't go, oh, the promotion was terrible. And especially if you didn't pay money to go and attend at your own whim. If you went and you didn't enjoy the experience, you're welcome to have a complaint. I don't mind. That's the way the world works. Some of the feedback was, I think, absolutely fair. But don't be a dick on social media. Seriously, it's not worth it. Now, on to much more pressing matters. Sydney Motorsport Park uh, in the western suburbs of Sydney is surrounded by an industrial area, right? So there are very limited options for dining and entertainment in the region. Um, directly opposite Sydney Motorsport Park, behind the main grandstand, cross over the road, is the Alpha Hotel. The Alpha Hotel on the bottom on the left-hand side, as you're looking at it from the racetrack, has a place called Oak Bar and Grill. Quite good. Decent feed, decent range of beers, pretty good service. Nice outdoor area with the festoon lights, which always make a place look good. And you can look across and see the racetrack, and that's always a good thing, even if it's Sydney Motorsport Park. But on the upside, it's at night. So at night time, remember what we said earlier, completely different place. Fantastic. You may as well be in Abu Dhabi. Um, however... And I say this cringingly because as we record this podcast, I am still staying in said hotel. Their opening hours are absolutely shocking and their lack of business sense in closing on a Friday night and a Saturday night when there's a, not a major race meeting, but a race meeting with a lot of people at relative to what they'd normally have over there. Their lack of business sense makes no sense to me at all. When everyone left the racetrack at 10 o'clock on Friday night and came across here, we walked into the bar and they called last drink straight away. That is not cool. That is not cricket, folks. They diddled themselves out of an enormous amount of money, and that's just after I'd got through buying for my beers. I don't get it. And then on mm. Saturday night, Saturday night, the main night, there was actually a few people at Sydney Motorsport Park. It's about four and a half, five thousand people there. They, we come across the road, and you roll in, and they were about to shut the joint. And it was only an influx of people the smart guy who was running the bar on the night went, oh, do you know what? We might stay open, but you'd better buy two drinks because we're going to close and you're going to have to go outside. 
oh, seriously, a little bit of business planning, a little bit of thought going into it, and maybe, just maybe a little bit of promotion. Who would have thought that could be a thing? And you could capture the market. Every single person leaving Sydney Motorsport Park could swing by, have a beer, maybe put some bar food on. We're not looking for massive feed. A couple of pizzas, some wings, some chips, stuff like that. It was 11 o'clock. Everyone's flogged themselves all day. They've got wet. They've had a big day. They want to nibble. There was a lot of Uber Eatsing McDonald's happening, but not a lot of money being spent at that joint because they were closed. I just It's a massive knot, and it irritates me because it's just not sensible business. So, um, And all I wanted was a beer. So um, be smarter businesses near racetracks because the opportunity is there to capitalize on motorsport. And you'd think being based across the road from one that operates almost 18 hours a day. Yeah. Anyway, that's my little rant. These are the end, end, of, my, in, end of my shift. I'm out of here. These are the that's... pressing issues in life that we tackle here on the grid. Only serious issues here on the grid, like what time bars near racetracks close. Mm. You don't get that on the award-winning V8 Sleuth podcast. Hello to our friends over there. How you going? Mark. Why not? Tell you what, I, I can't really follow that, but I'll give it a go. Um, an odd one coming out of Bathurst uh, that you can read on the racetalk.com right now is the Bathurst Regional Council seemingly uh, uh, in the market to replace the Chase Campground with a Greyhound track, which... I can see working if they replace the campground with more campground and then have the dish lickers on, you know, every night during the Bathurst 1000, because that would be huge. You would get 15,000 people turn up to the Greyhounds. But uh, I, I think that could work. And I'm surprised that they've never really tried to do something with the um, harness racing over the straight mm. across the street mm. from the campground. Because uh, if they started promoting that, that'd give, the campers down that end of the world something to go and do at night time. But anyway, they, they generally do have harness racing on Wednesday night at Bathurst is their normal night. But it's not promoted. Like go no, and put up yeah. some uh, signs. It goes back to my earlier point. Yeah. A little bit of smart thinking from businesses attached to car racing. The world could be your oyster. Sharpen up. Or you could just put the Greyhound track inside the harness racing track, which no, happens everywhere else. Wow. Good point. Mm. Anyway, whatever. Um, well, Terry Bottas lost his mo, and I'm going to guess most of his fan base. Why would you do that? Oh, maybe Seriously. he shaved it off for November. Oh. Maybe he's regrowing it. Well, he's he's about a week behind. Uh, Mercedes, they sucked. Uh, they yeah, were they nowhere. Were. They were sort of the in. Maybe they swapped cars with Aston Martin. Aston had the good Mercedes this week, and um, Mercedes got the dud. Worst and, race as- meeting for 13 years. Is what yeah, Mercedes have said. Um, has there any, ever been anything more on brand than a Ferrari not making it to the grid? <laughs> that, that was pretty uh, pretty special. So yeah. here's a price breakdown of what it costs to get an F1 super license. So it costs 10,400 euros base. Drivers have to dolly up that. And then 2,100 euros for each subsequent point that they score in the previous year. So a knock goes to Max Verstappen, who is up for 1.1 million euros to buy a license for next year. However, hot goes to the incredibly frugal uh, Logan Sargent, and his mediocrity means that he's only got a 12,500 euro bill for next year. <laughs> awesome. So, and isn't they get that the they It's amazing. It? So, so Logan Sargent's a mill ahead before he even turns a wheel next year. Yeah, Oscar's burnt a lot of cash in the second half of his season, hasn't he? Mm. I didn't think that through, did he? <laughs> no. He'd be better off at Alpine, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, finally, one last one for me is from the NASCAR delivery department once again, and jealousy being a curse. So the 2311 cars in the weekend ran Star Wars themes for something. I've got no idea what the relevance to anything there was, but uh, Bubba Wallace uh, got to meet Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker, yeah. in the uh, week leading up to the race. So now Bubba's very good mate and the series champion, Ryan Blaney, was asked about this. And Ryan Blaney is the biggest, hugest NASCAR uh, Star Wars nerd you've ever come across. So this was uh, his quote in the media. I was stung. It was awesome for the sport, right? That's so cool. I'm jealous he got to meet him, yeah? I I was a little hurt that I saw that, but happy for him. Super happy, even though he's never seen a Star Wars film in his life. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Ouch. That's he's a good, good champion. He's uh, a good champion. he's going to have a good fan base there. It's Outstanding. Good. Very good. All right, that's it for the Caltex hots and knots. I sort of burnt my knot in my hot because it was hot, but it's not. And it's oh, yeah, just, the, cal- yeah, the calendar thing. Yeah, you're going to stick with that, are you? Or are you going to edit that out? That's, no, uh, I want to edit it out. Oh, my knot then. So my knot finally is probably... No, I was talking about your hot. You're going to keep keeping that in. I, I like it. Yeah, but I'm going to do a knot now to replace the hot. Okay. After thoughts that it yeah. probably shouldn't be in there. Probably leave all this in, but that's fine. Yeah. yeah. My knot is the supercars calendar. It's just a standing knot, isn't it? Mm. Time to yeah. go, boys. Thanks for your time. Bathurst this week. It's always a good week when you go to Bathurst. Have a great week up there. What are you doing, Mark? That's a great question. Uh, Sandown Historics. Mm. Oh, nice. Fantastic. I might come down there on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you've got it. Melbourne Aces kicking off on Friday night with a practice match. So look forward to heading there. Uh, catch you guys next week. Catch you next week also right here on The Grid.